Welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Here are your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to episode three of the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Marcus Pierce here with you, and as always, I'm joined by the great man, Australia's number one wellness expert, Dr. Damien Christoph. How are you, Damo? Thank you, Pierce. That's very kind of you. Uh, yet again, we have a wonderful discussion today, um, um, and we're talking about, uh, I suppose, uh, it's a bit of mastery, really, isn't it? Like four ways to become a better friend and colleague. It's uh, it's something that's quite unique. A lot of people would think about it. You know, you could be sitting on the sidelines. You might be sitting at your desk. You might wonder, how do I be a better friend to Johnny Topoldis? How do I how do I get to be um, in his inner sanctum? And we give you the secrets on how to do that today. Well, I think and hopefully that when people, uh, now that we've had our conversation with uh, JT, as we now like to call him, yeah. uh, not Justin Timberlake, Johnny Topoldis, <laughs> uh, that he... Uh, exuded what we speak about today, uh, the four ways to become a better friend and a colleague. So hopefully when the team at Zaparis are listening to this, they can give themselves ticks, you know, for most if not all of these four ways to become a better friend and a colleague. We won't give them all away now. We invite you to listen to this episode, give yourself a score and then talk about it with your colleagues and maybe even your friends and family. How do you score out of four, four ways to become a better friend and a colleague? Enjoy this episode. Damo, you've been a great friend for many years. You've been a colleague on 100 Not Out. We've been colleagues together for almost a decade and we've done lots of work together over the years on the Wellness Couch. Today's episode is all about the four ways to become a better friend or a colleague. These principles are interchangeable, we think, in personal and professional life. We've seen this demonstrated in longevity cultures, in Ikaria, the island where people forget to die, and we've also seen it demonstrated in everyday offices. So today's four principles, and we'll dive deep into them in just a moment, but principle number one, and write these down um, if you can, uh, is number one, spend at least 200 quality hours together. That's spend at least 200 quality hours together. Principle number two, talk about your problems. Principle number three, be there in the tough times. And principle number four, help without seeking Permission. So yes. let's kick off with number one, spend yep. at least 200 quality hours together. You and I are raging extroverts. We love uh, being in each other's company, but it's been tough in 2020, 2021. We only saw each other once in the flesh and workplaces around the world were living um, in a remote uh, scenario for, for most workplaces. So quality time became a real issue for people, didn't it? Yeah, totally, PC. And the quality time piece affects so many things, not only just the interrelations of two people, but the culture of an organization, you know, and when we're talking about this and spending quality time with somebody, 200 quality hours is a long time. Like, and, and I'm fascinated by this because 200 is a big number. And where did you get 200 from? This comes out of the University of Kansas. So it's a fascinating study. Jeffrey Hall, the Associate Professor of Communication Studies there, his findings were it takes 50 hours of time together for an acquaintance to become a casual friend. Um, And it takes 90 hours to go from a casual friend to general friend status and then more than 200 hours before you consider someone your close friend. So 
again, in the workplace, it's not that all colleagues are going to become close friends, but I think many of us that reflect on our work time would probably acknowledge that the colleagues that they've become really close with are the ones that they probably were having quality conversations with either before everyone else gets into the office or when everyone else is gone and it's just the two of you or maybe at a social function where you can not be talking about the urgencies or the whirlwind of the workplace but a lot of the time that quality time is one-on-one in real life without the urgencies of everything else in the workplace happening and I, I know I suppose I challenge you know any professional that listening to this in, in the culture that, that your workplace is in right now, is that, um, is that happening right now and, and is it achievable? Because I think a yeah, lot of people possible. feel like it's, it's not – a lot of people feel like things are so busy mm. that, that it's not. And that, that is a challenge that we throw open to everyone listening here is cultivating an environment where colleagues spending quality time together is achievable. Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I think, I think this is great. Um, and I, but I, and I also think about when kids hang out in the playground and they bump into somebody, and then all of a sudden they're best friends for life. You know, we, you know, and so you're having you know play dates and all that sort of stuff. And I wonder whether or not uh, the 200 hours becomes more important with the more life that you live and lead, um, the more uh, knockbacks you've had or failures you've had in life. Does it take 200 hours to? Um, I suppose build that much trust with somebody because mm. in your more trusting days, I think it feels easier to build friendships faster mm. than as you become a little bit more crotchety and maybe <laughs> less. <laughs> well, well maybe, maybe we say you become more selective, selective with who you spend time with. Yes, as you get older, maybe yep. it's because you know the the days are numbered. Careful, careful, and cynical. So maybe there's a little bit of that too. You know, so. I think about this 200 hours, it's a heck of a lot of time to spend with people. That's that's 25 four-hour sessions at the pub on a Sunday. Would that, would that, would that be considered to be quality time? Or what it, it, well, it probably depends on how much. Time. I think it would depend on how much alcohol you consume. I think the quality time, it, look, it could yeah, even be a meeting. Too. We will talk yeah. about how much alcohol is appropriate. But, uh, it, you know, it, it's a lot. Yeah, so quality, I think most of us know what quality time feels like. In the workplace, it can be a one-hour meeting where you actually just feel heard and it's not just talking about admin. I think it's sure. more, it's, it's a, and, we'll, and we'll get to these other three components shortly, but there is an interweaving of these, of these principles that makes them all hum a lot more effectively. But okay. I think the, the way for listeners to um, audit this is to look back on their working life and the people that they've gotten on with the most uh, in, in terms of they've clicked with, they've been able to have big conversations with, they've been able to have even difficult conversations with. And most of the time it's been the environment of that, that uh, it's been the environment where that's taken place. So if it's been um, a dinner where everyone's pretenses are down, if it's in the office where the phones aren't ringing and people aren't coming in and, you know, the door's actually closed and you've got some, um, not privacy, but you've got some focused attention. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where people have missed it so much in Zoom land over the COVID years because we've got our phones, we've got notifications, we've got emails coming through, we've got kids coming into the office. So, yeah. and, and doesn't feel like we have that quality time with our colleagues. Yeah. And I also have, obser- have observed in, in chatting to a number of businesses over the time is that many people, particularly in HR, feel that there's unfair judgments 
and unfair um, beliefs being laid on other people, um, largely because they're not getting the 360-degree view of what's going on in that person's life. So in in the days when people are coming into the office, you can feel someone's um, almost mood if you know them well enough as well when they walk into the room. You'd know if I was in a bad mood when I walked into the room, but it's harder for you to feel that when we're having a Zoom meeting um and that's what i think a lot of people have missed out on over 2020 2021 but i think when people do integrate back more into that real life um, approach those quality hours and the overindulgence in them i don't think is a problem at the beginning because people are that they have missed they have missed um missed it terribly let's go to principle number two talk about your problems um again when i think of you and i uh as friends we are we we do have a great relationship of talking about problems but if i give the the research behind this i think it's really quite staggering this was done by uh dr david spiegel stanford medical school back in the 80s 86 women with terminal metastatic breast cancer were split into two groups so 43 in each group uh one group met for 90 minutes each week to express their emotions emotions, their fears, their anger, their anxiety, the full gamut. Um, And then the control group uh, just carried on with their lives, uh, didn't meet. Now, the women in the support group lived an average of 37 months after entering the program compared to 19 months for the control group. So so sharing your problems and sharing your, your fears and your uncertainties almost doubled the lifespan in this group. But here's what I think is really interesting. Um, Spiegel delivered his findings uh, 12 years later and three of those 86 uh, women with metastatic terminal cancer were still alive. And I think that's what we have to be really, really conscious of is that there is a power in sharing your problems, like getting it out. So do we, so venting, expressing ourselves where that bot, bottling it up has a real physical response, which, um, which studies like Spiegel's um, demonstrate, and he was he was shocked by his findings. This is what I love about research. He was not expecting to uncover that. He did not expect that the people that shared the most would have the most um, profound results. So I think that's that's um, that's powerful in itself. Yeah, it is. It is so powerful, and I think it's also really important to not wait until you crook. You know, so you don't have to have breast cancer um, yep. or any kind of yes to start disease. implementing that wisdom. To start doing this one, <laughs> and this is a longevity principle uh, which you and I are very familiar with. And when we think about the cultures and one of our other, the other podcasts that we do do, um, you know, out in podcast land is one hundred not out. We've been working together on that, you know, for pretty much a decade. And when we consider those cultures that live a long time, there's no real secrets. You know, maybe some things might be kept secret, but most things somebody knows something about. And because somebody knows something about that, everybody knows something about that. And those cultures kind of just, you know, air the dirty laundry and just get it all out and it's just done. They just deal with it. And so it's, it's less toxic, I suppose you would say. You know, it's it's just a little bit more cleansing on the body to get that out. It's not eating away at you. So talk about your problems. I love that. Um, and- it's one of those things that, um, that both – women and men do very differently. So, and I know I've just narrowed down the gender types, um, but I'm just doing that because it's, you know, an observation of mine that um, some people will um, talk about their problems and and, and easily open up um, and other people will struggle a lot 
to talk about their problems and really struggle to open up. So, um, and maybe I shouldn't have just, you know, put pigeonholed that into two different genders, um, but I have, and I'm sorry for doing that. But let me just say that it's important to talk about these things and get them out. I think for leaders listening to this, particularly those that have teams, it's so fundamental to have the courage to ask it's, you know, we have one day of the year. I think it needs to be every day. It's the are you okay day. We, we must have the courage to ask our team members in our workplace, um, how are you going? Um, how are you going really? Uh, so that there is a culture of people actually sharing. You know what? It's crazy at home at the moment. And, and uh, you know, um, um, or uh, partner this or kids that or I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that because if we don't have a culture of just actually talking about the little things, yeah. then a lot of people, you talk to a lot of HR managers, their, their biggest challenge is that people come when the monster's so big because there hasn't been a culture of talking about problems yeah. and then they come with this overwhelming, I need I need two weeks, three weeks, four weeks off of stress leave, of mental health days, of sick leave, of whatever leave you can give me, I need it because there's a monster that I haven't you know, shared with anyone um, up until now. And that's where a lot of workplaces find it really quite uh, difficult to manage. And that's, and then I, so I bring it back to the cultural piece of, is there a culture of talking about problems, whether it's that this task or this project is difficult. It's the first time I've done it before this new software that we're using. I'm having trouble with, I need help. You know, is there a culture uh, in your workplace of asking for help? Um, of being vulnerable, of being okay not knowing something um, and on a personal level of, of being okay that, that something in our lives is is affecting our performance perhaps um, and and is there a safe space for people to share that. So that's what that study teaches us. Number – yeah, go well, on. Just before you keep going on there, Marcus, um, what's interesting is uh, the, the culture of dismissing and so – and a lot of people are very self-dismissive and – Often I'll ask somebody, and you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, is this relevant relevant to me?" It will be because I'm sure at times you've asked somebody, "How are you?" and they go, "Oh well, you know, there's no point complaining. No one's going to listen." And uh, and so that's a really interesting thing that somebody would ever get themselves into that that state. And somebody said that to me the other day. I said, "Well, actually, you know what? I'll listen." And, uh, and so it's a really great thing to, you know, remind people that, you know, they can be listened to and, and they are important. Mm, absolutely. Um, number three, um, and this is connected very much to what we've just been saying in principle number two and one. Uh, and just if, you, if you're losing track, principle number one, spend at least 200 quality hours together. Principle number two, uh, talk about your problems. Principle number three, to be a better friend or better colleague is to be there in the tough times. Now, if you've done number two well and number one well, so you've spent quality time together and you've talked about you know, what's not working rather than just what's working all the time, then when, when the inevitable challenge hits, um, you're far more likely to actually want to be there in the tough times and, and you're in that inner circle. And that's why I say these four are very interconnected and once you do them well, there's a synergy or a symbiosis where they happen naturally. Um, but, Damo, I know, as I said earlier in this uh, episode, you know, you've been there for me during many dark times. Um, I've, I've got a story. I might just share this because I'm, I'm sure you've probably got similar stories as well that, you know, I had a, I had a 
um, a friend who was working, I think he might have been, I won't, I won't mention the business, but he was working in a big company um, and he was diagnosed in his early 20s with testicular cancer um, and he felt like his workplace and his friendship group did not know how to deal with the diagnosis. Um, and so lo and behold, he just felt very alone. And I was only 18 at the time and, and thankfully, my friend recovered, but it was many years later, and, and I went and uh, I visited him in hospital and did all of the things that I would think a, a close friend would do, like you would do for me, Damo. Um, but he did say, "I always appreciate." He said many years later, "I always appreciated you your support during those times because I don't feel like a lot of people knew how to support me." And I think that's something that many of us can relate to. That if we don't have an inner circle there to help us in the tough times, we find it very difficult to navigate. Yeah, I agree with you. And your inner circle is is so important, and particularly if you're not generally an open person, someone who's not open book. Uh, and this inner circle could be school friends. It could be people from work that you've spent your 200 hours with. Uh, it could be people from your tennis club. You know, it could be people from your golf course. Uh, whoever it is that's inside your inner circle, uh, it's such an important thing to have an inner circle. And uh, and it may not be your significant other. It may not be that person. Um, but it, it, let me tell you, it's really nice if it is. But at the same time, it may not be that person. There's no right or wrong here. It's just making sure that you've got that sort of support structure around you. Yeah, and in the workplace, like you said, it might be your boss. It might yep. be a colleague yep. that's in a completely different department that is emotionally detached yep. to the tough times that you might be working through. You know, there's times in people's careers where they can't hire to save themselves and their team's crumbling and they feel like they've just got the moz on them because every CV that comes through either looks great but isn't or, or they do this struggle and you might need to to talk to someone in a department and and about the tough time that you're going through and having that culture of trust and like you said you know in different scenarios personal and professional it might be different people but really important to recognize that this step of being there in the tough times is a hell of a lot easier when you've got a culture where talking about problems and challenges is is open um and when there's a when there's opportunity to spend quality time together yeah um Number four, um, and this is something that, you know, I think many of us learn the hard way, and this is help, helping people without seeking permission. And I, I, I think this is probably the hardest one. And I, I know about you. Too. Yeah. I think it is too. And everybody who is close to somebody would have been in this situation where something's happened to them and you're just not too sure how to initiate the opportunity to help out. Um, and so you might say, you might say some of this, like I did to you, Marcus, you know, you live in Byron Bay and you went through the floods during that flood period. And I sent you a message and I said, if there's anything I can do, Piercy, please let me know. And then I followed it up after I sent that thinking, you idiot, as if Marcus is going to say, yes, please do something for me. Of course, he's not going to say, he's not going to do that. So then I said, hey, can I get you any food? Do you need anything? Have you got everything that you need? Uh, and so I, I tried to backtrack a little bit to make it a little bit better, but I'd love to know how to handle that a bit better. Mark. Well, uh, I think I think you've got your, your No, well, your intent is fabulous. And I think if anyone is listening and they've never said, is there anything I can do? Let me know. Then they're lying because we've all done it. And we all do it. I've made the exact same comment to my cousin Carly at my Arnie Maureen's funeral. And she was like, you know, I'm so glad she said, she said, oh, everyone says that. And 
we're so stressed and grieving that we don't know. It's just just go and do something. And it was like you know just in, so so now it's like you know go and make go and make the spag bowl for the person that needs it or go and help the colleague that that needs it. But here's where I feel like it's so hard, Damon. Here's where I feel like it's hard. We are so um, busy, for want of a better term, in our own professional lives. I often feel like we have our blinkers on. Like it's really, you've got to be really chilled to get the perspective to look around your workplace and go, oh, I'm going to go and just give that person a gold class voucher because I know either they're going through financial hardship or um, they're just, they're so under the pump, they're not carving out time for themselves. Um, so I'm going to force it on them, whether it's a, you know, a, a, a theatre ticket that's got a, a time on it or whatever. But, I feel like in the busyness of life, we don't want to say we've lost the art of it, but I feel like we get reminded of it when we take longevity trips, you know, to the other side of the world and see how they do it. Because you know that those comments in uh, those observations in Ikaria, the Greek island known as the island where people forget to die, they just go over to people's houses with gifts. Often it's food, maybe it's wine, but they haven't called them probably because they never phone. They didn't message them because they never phone. They just kind of do it because right. they don't seek permission. Yeah, they just do it and just do it. Yeah, you know, I don't necessarily know what the answer is in this fast-paced Western world that we live in. You can in. get it wrong. I, d- I don't think you can get it wrong, but I think giving yourself permission to help out in the tough times. So mm. let's just you know go backwards in this list, you know, just for a sec, because when you go backwards, you're kind of going, okay, you giving yourself permission to help out somebody in the tough times, um, you know, which is obviously really important. And the reason why you know they're in tough times is because you're talking about their problems and you got to that point because you've been spending quality time with somebody. So mm. if you're going backwards in that list, it all it makes a really nice flow and a really good story. And each of those, each of these little points occurs because you've ticked off each of these little boxes. So it's each of those little sequenced um Bits of advice, a little mm. bit of leadership there uh, will actually help you be better at, at just helping out, just doing that stuff, being there for somebody in tough times, being that friend. I love that you've said that. And and the other thing that comes to mind as you talk is that you can start really small. So it could be the little things like you buy a coffee for your colleague, you know what they drink, but you're not going to ask them, would you like a coffee? You see them with coffee all the time. And now you might be working on a project outside of the office together and you know you're meeting at 7.30 in the morning and you buy them a coffee. Now the risk is that they've already bought a coffee or that they don't want it. Yep. But the thing is you've done it. You've given something without permission. And even if they don't want the coffee, they think so highly of you because you've, you know, loved on them enough without even seeking permission. And yep. I think that's where that's – I love what you said. It's, it requires some initiative. It requires some leadership. There's a little bit of risk involved because it may yep. not come off. But gee whiz. It's unlikely. You know, if you're being kind to someone, it's unlikely to backfire. Mm, that's it exactly really right. It's really, exactly right. you know, and in this decade, the survival of the kindest, um, mm. I think it's really important that uh, you just give it a nudge, give it a try. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation. Well, we've thoroughly enjoyed it. Hope you have enjoyed listening <laughs> to this episode. Those four ways to become a better friend or a better colleague, spend at least 200 quality hours together and we'll supply the the actual links to these studies as well where we mentioned them. Uh, number two, talk about your problems. Number three, be there in the tough times. And number four, help without seeking permission. Damo, you have been a great friend and a great colleague and I have full faith that you will continue to be. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you as always. Thank you, PC. You too. And did I right back at you? I'm pointing two fingers at you in one finger, out the other one. <laughs>